Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. Megan, I have for you today the story of Jennifer Webb, the murder of Jennifer Webb. All right. So let's do our gree before yeah. we shake our bones. It's all shaken. Shake the sack. Yep. It's like sack and bake instead of shake and bake. <laughs> it is the sack and bake. <laughs> Uh, now that I can get behind. I've never been a big fan of shake and bake, actually. Yeah, me either. It's disgusting. Make your own breadcrumbs. How lazy are you people? Right. <laughs> Some so, people are busy, I hear. I, I guess. just don't like how it tastes. I'm no, busy too. I mean, I right. have no problem with Kraft Mac and Cheese. I'll eat the shit out of that. <laughs> but no, I don't like the shake and bake. Kraft Mac and Cheese with real bre- breadcrumbs on top, though. Okay, Come yeah. on, people. I'm bougie. I'm bougie. <laughs> I'm going to make it fancy. It's gourmet. I made those breadcrumbs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what did you put in these Velveeta shells and cheese? Well, I used heavy cream cream instead of milk yes yeah oh my god i have done that before it's so good it is really good yes, yes. if you run out and you no use one, it no you use evaporated milk too when you run out but i highly suggest mm. not using sweetened condensed so oh, there's that okay there's your cooking tip for the day i appreciate that you're welcome megan is our foodie over here i she's try to be <laughs> she's she's updating craft mac and cheese for your audience <laughs> you are all welcome yes just what they came here today if you want to be real fancy you can chop up some hot dogs too okay i do like a little hot dog, a little wiener in your mac and I cheese. I do. I like a little wiener in my mac and cheese. You know, it's probably the only time I like a little wiener. No, oh my, yeah, correct. That's oh, right. That's, shoot. Is, this is Jennifer Webb. Jennifer Webb. And it's a Michigan case, case not cased. Okay. Excuse me. It's a case yeah. system. Um, she was 32 years old. At the time of her murder, she lived in Buena Vista, Michigan. Oh, okay. Do you, are you familiar with where that is? Because I am not. I think Buena Vista, is that toward Flint? I'm going to look oh, now. Oh, maybe. That would make sense. Okay. I mean, we have a lake, Buena Vista, near mm-hmm. us, but it's not that. It's definitely not that. Uh, her friends and family, Megan, described her as fun-loving and charismatic. She had a great job working in customer service at P.F. Markey and had recently bought her own home. It is by Flint. Okay, great. Yep, so she had a good job. She was she had just bought her own home. She was a person that could always be counted on. She always liked to lend people a helping hand if they needed help. Um, her best friend, Andrea King, described her as the most loving and happiest person you would ever want to meet. That's how a best friend should describe you. Absolutely. Otherwise, get a new one. Right. I mean, I will add more descriptors for you as well, okay. but you Thank know, you. we won't get into it now. <laughs> That's for the uh, private eulogy. Yes. yes. At, the, at the time of her death, um, Jennifer was eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, Dawn Webb, Jennifer's mother, said that the pregnancy had been a really big surprise to them all, and Jennifer actually didn't even know that she was pregnant until she was five months along. I've had several friends that have experienced this. It happens. I have heard of that. Mm -hmm. Not me. As soon as I uh, get pregnant, I gain 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah. And I knew almost immediately every time. Yeah. Jenny told her family and closest closest friends that her father was Kenneth, B-L-U-E-W, Blue, but just spelled B-L-U-E-W. 
Okay. Um, and he was an officer with the Buena Vista Township Police Department with whom she had known um, for approximately 10 years. And I apologize. Did I make it sound like Jennifer's father? You did. I, I realized was, that. And then you said she'd known him for 10, 10 years. years. And I was no. like, well, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, I meant the child's father. She okay. was eight and a half months pregnant. Okay. So the father of, of her baby was. So she kind of officer. starts dating or seeing. She's been friends with him for 10 years and it must have turned romantic. Yeah. Yep, yep. So he's she's known him, um, and so he was was who she had identified to her closest family and friends as being the father of her baby. Okay, and she's like five months along when she finds out. Yeah. So this is, is this may come as a shock to him as well. Yeah, yeah. It was a surprise to everybody. Okay. Yep, definitely. Um, the two had met in a bar in two thousand and one and stayed casual friends ever since. Okay. Now, at that time, Ken was separated from his wife and he didn't have any intention of having a, or Jenny didn't have an intention of having a long-term relationship with him. Okay. Okay. She intended, though, to name her son Braxton and raise him as a single parent. She was a bit apprehensive at first, but then then became excited to be a mom, and she, um, and she spent time with her family decorating the nursery and doing the typical nesting things that you do prior to motherhood. All you know? the things that you do once you get over the initial shock the that shock. you're carrying a human. Absolutely. Okay. And that you're going to be responsible for, for a this human. human. Yes. <laughs> yep. I was just thinking about that shock uh, not too long ago, as a matter of really? fact, with, with my own my own firstborn. Yes. yes. The, the tiny humans are terrifying. Mm-hmm. So let's take, let's go to the afternoon of August 30th, 2011. Now, Jennifer had been at her f- friend that I mentioned earlier, Andrea King's house, helping her with um, her own newborn twin girls. Oh my goodness. All yeah. kinds of babies. Lots of babies. I'm excited. This is her best friend. She was going to get to raise her little, their babies together. Yes. How amazing, right? Jenny left Andrea's house telling her friend that she was going to meet with Ken to discuss details about the upcoming birth. I mean, she's eight and a half months pregnant. So right. Time to start hammering down those details, including um, listing him on Braxton's birth certificate and having the discussion about child support. Okay. Okay. All important discussions that need to happen. And yes. rather before baby is born than after. after. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer left saying that she would see Andrea the next day. And this is the last time that any of Jennifer's family or friends would oh, see her alive. Lovely. And from sources, it seems as though she preferred to go by Jenny than okay. Jennifer. And I apologize because I have been saying Jennifer, but I have it written in my notes as Jenny. Now, on that same evening, Ken was working third shift patrol. And as a safety protocol would have it, dispatch had been actually trying to get in touch with him for over an hour at least. Because um, you're familiar with police protocol. They do these random you check-ins. Check in. mm-hmm. well, and if you've had radio silence for a period of time, they start checking in with you and then and calling. Yep. Yep. So it had been over an hour since dispatch had been trying to contact him. And had not heard anything. Did okay. he tell him that he was checking out of his shift for lunch so that he could meet with her? Nope. Nope. This was in the middle of, of that same night. Okay. That he goes radio silent. When they couldn't get in touch with him, they sent out another officer, Tim Patterson, to search for him. 
Now, Tim had worked with Ken for a while and knew his typical parole uh, patrol spots, okay, that he would sit. Yes. One they of, are creatures. Police are creatures mm-hmm. of habit. Yep, yep. Just like all the other humans, you know, I would. Yeah. Do you go to the same place to eat your lunch if you're just driving around staying in your car? I have like three spots that I choose from. I'm always at one of those spots. And I park in the same parking spot to eat my lunch. Me too. Or in in the same position. And Mm -hmm. sometimes if somebody else is in my spot, it ruins my whole day. It gives me anxiety. Exactly. I'm like, no, that's that's where I sit to eat my lunch, sir. Yeah. Move. Yes, exactly. Okay. So his buddy, uh, one of his partners is looking for him. Yep. Dispatch sends him out. So one of those spots was on Outer Road, located in Buena Vista Township, near the practice gun firing range that was commonly used by the local police department. Okay. All right. So they don't have their own range. They're using a practice range out in the country. Yeah. So Officer Patterson spotted Ken's patrol call car. I'm sorry. I'm struggling with the words. I have terrible cotton mouth today. It's a beautiful sunny day and it's just. It is beautiful. <clears throat> it's allergies. Blame the allergies. Okay. So Officer Patterson spots Ken's parole car, pulls up behind him. Ken gets out of his car and let Tim Patterson know that he had been unable to be reached because he was investigating a suspicious car and, in his words, they, quote, had a body. Okay. Okay. So Ken's like just immediately, call that immediately offering this information of, hey, the reason that you haven't been able to get a hold of me is because we've got a body. No, the reason that we should have heard from you is because, because we you found have a, a body. body. Yeah. Those were my thoughts. That's my commentary on police protocol. Officers (laughs) out there who disagree, please hashtag me. Yeah, no kidding. Because let's have a training. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Jenny's Pontiac Aztec was found on the deserted outer road with the back door of the car open. Okay. There was a brown extension cord that was tied to the vehicle's roof luggage rack. The opposite end of the extension cord was tied around the neck of Jenny, who was lying on the ground. She was dragged. I don't know. Or hung. She was hung, okay, because they're going to initially say that this is a suicide. No. She was not breathing. Her lips were blue. So Ken searched her purse for identification and found a supposed suicide note. Wait, he searched it for identification? Yes. He impregnated her. (laughs) One would think you would know that's who you were looking at. Well, maybe he didn't get a chance to really look at her while he was being her friend for the last 10 years. I don't know. Well, it could have been very dark. I'm just... And her vehicle, which he should also identify... One would think. Okay. You're being very fair with your answers. It's like I'm telling the case. I know. I know. How judicious of you. I am being Judge Megan today. And I I like putting these shoes on. I like wearing Charnel shoes, but I'm still going to be very careful because they're tiny. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's an interesting perspective to to try it this way. So he shockingly discovers when he looks through her purse that this is Jenny, the mother of his child to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does he do this yeah. with the other police officer there or yes. is he identified no, her no, before? No, no, no. While the other police officer is oh, there to God. witness. 20 minutes after being at the scene, Tim Blue states, oh God, I know this girl. Okay. 20 minutes, Megan. I don't like it. So the suicide note. 
in the note, it Jennifer, Jenny, quote, heavy, heavy quotation she's, she's These are the biggest quotation finger, air quotes I've ever seen in my life. It's I'm, like a bird. I'm like saging the room with them. <laughs> you are. She claimed that she had lied about the baby's father and that it was a man named Chris who she had met in a bar. Okay. Uh-huh. Other officers, detectives, and crime lab and forensic team arrived at the scene around 11.30 p.m. that evening. On August 31st, 2011, Detective Sean Waterman was tasked with notifying Jennifer's family. Oh, my God. He initially notified them of a suicide. Okay. And they're like, no. Of course. Detective Waterman asked them about this Chris person and about the father of the baby. Okay, and they're like, well, she was meeting the father of the baby. He is a police officer Well, with you. The last person was her best friend to see her. So her parents didn't know. Her parents might not have known. So Donald and Dawn Webb both tell Detective Waterman that Jennifer did know who the father was and that she would never have killed herself. And they revealed that the father of the baby was none other than Officer Ken Blue. So Detective Waterman said he was stunned and felt sick to his stomach. Imagine being that detective. Right. That would be hard. I really you just feel got information on a guy. coworker or a subordinate. Right. It's happened to me. Yes. I, I've been there. It's just like, uh, but also Here's the a person, search warrant. And you're like, oh, God. The person God. who found her yeah. and then claims, you know, 20 minutes after identifying her, oh, wait, I know this girl. Yeah. You so, real well. Yeah, exactly. Inside and out. You're one having would say. a family together, right. man. She also said, or excuse me, he also said that when he knew that, I am sorry, you guys, the way that I typed that <sighs> sentence was not conducive to reading okay. at all. I just right. want you to know. What I'm trying to say is that it's at this moment that Detective Waterman's like, so I don't think we have a suicide here, everyone. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm he good. He, he put out an alternative hypothesis. He sure did. He sure did. Good started job, started working it from that angle. You, as you have well. to. Mm-hmm. The forensics team found a pair of flip flops in the ditch about 100 feet down from the road. And they also found a blood spot in the road. There was a small piece of necklace and a cigarette also collected. The police learned. Can I assume yeah. she wasn't smoking because she, she was eight that, months pregnant? Uh, that I can, that I know of. Right, right, right. Forgive me because I did write these notes quite some time ago. Yes, ma'am. But I don't believe so. I believe that that becomes an important Piece identifier later. It would be yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. The police learned that Jenny had met Ken between 2000, 2001. They had met in a bar. Much like our suicide note said yes. she met Chris. And Ken had told Jennifer that he was separated from his wife. But Jennifer was never interested in a long-term relationship with him. All right? So the whole department felt pretty betrayed by Ken. Was he separated from his wife? Mm. He claimed to be a family man and talked often about his wife and kids yeah, at that work. that explains it. He yeah. lied to her. Sure did. 
The Michigan State Police were called in to assist, and they were tasked with interviewing Ken, because of course his own department cannot. We always call him SPN if there's an interdepartmental issue, or yep. they do have an internal affairs through the Attorney General's office in Michigan, too, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, <clears throat> but you, it's absolutely we'll appropriate to turn it over to MSP, which is what they did, so that is, is perfectly yeah. acceptable. Now, investigators during his interview, Megan, did notice scratches on his arm. Oh, defensive marks, maybe? Just, you know, I'm not a police officer. No, but one might say. That it looked, could have been. Especially with the scratch next to his right eye as well, coupled with the scratches on his arms. Okay. Yeah. But uh, officer fell. (laughs) getting in the ditch to identify no. her. No, Ken explained that he'd received those scratches from his dogs a couple of days before. Okay. I'm sure his wife could corroborate that. Yeah, yeah. In a state- statement given by another officer, he said that he had had um, this statement. This other officer said he'd had lunch with Ken earlier the day, that day. And weirdly, Ken had no scratches or marks on him during their lunch. There we go. <laughs> There's the better evidence. Yes. So Ken was interviewed by Detective Sergeants Jason Teddy and Alan Ogg, OGG. They did know of Ken as they'd seen him at other investigations, but they were they weren't working with him. Okay. Um, so Ken was asked to talk about his relationship with Jennifer. And he said that they had seen each other. Um, recently about once or twice every month, but he had never had any sort of sexual relationship with her. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's so strange because she's kind of put this out there publicly, like all of her family yeah. and her best friends know mm-hmm. that she's expecting with her friend who was married, but separated. Yeah. So it's not like she's keeping this a secret. And why not would she? All. Because she thinks he's truly separated, right? Yeah, she has right? no reason to keep... But and she's they're not full- planning on being together. No, she's fully prepared to raise this child on her own. Absolutely. Okay. But Ken's telling a different story. Yes. Because Because he was separated. telling Jennifer a different story. He was. So the police asked Ken, how is it that you didn't recognize her at the scene if you've seen her recently a couple of times a month? And Gr- Ke- Great question. And Ken said, because of how she was positioned and because he, quote, went into work mode. Work mode, activate. <laughs> I do that too. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I don't. I recognize people. And he had been Their focusing faces. on the evidence. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the human brain. Did you know that there are, there's like three things that we can't help but notice one of them is food, and the other is an, is an attractive person's face. Yeah, this is true. So I'm sorry, sir, but I don't care what kind of Power Ranger mode you went into when you were came up on a scene, but you would have immediately recognized a someone face. who's not distorted. You know, in situations, we've had cases where the face of the person or the body are very unidentifiable. Correct. This is not one of those cases. While she may have been hung... She didn't have facial trauma she that um, disfigured her. No, right. Okay. To the point of, of non-recognition. No. Sure. So Alan uh, Og, I think I'm saying that right. Og, Og. Er, it, it's okay. I'm sure, someone, I'm sure someone will correct us. Of course. <laughs> They're really good at that. It's okay. Uh-huh. We're sorry. Sometimes months, maybe even years later, I've had it happen years later before where I was it's like, okay. cool. We're not bitter at Thank all. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me on that town that I don't live in a year after I recorded that episode. <laughs> Helpful. Anyway, so Alan Ogg 
noticed several injuries on Ken, including his eye injury. And he asked Mm. him about it. And he's like, yep, I got a new puppy. I've been playing with my puppy and he scratched me. So he's sticking with that story to several different officers. And he he has chosen his hill. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then they turn the conversation back to Jennifer and he's like, is it possible that maybe uh, you're the baby daddy? Right. Ken's like, no, absolutely not. I've never, I have never had sexual relations (laughs) with that woman. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So then they're like, okay, can we have a little sample of your DNA? Yeah, just just a small one. Check that box off. Open your mouth, sir. And he's like, yes, absolutely. So he gives this sample of DNA. They didn't have any other reason to charge him at this point. No. Again, so he's released. Okay. Jennifer's autopsy result, Jenny's autopsy results come back about 13 hours into the investigation. It revealed that her cause of death had been strangulation and that she had been murdered. Okay. They were now. This is not a suicide. Not a suicide. We are farther than we have been in some cases that I've heard already. I know. In 13 hours, they were on top of it. With law enforcement involved. Yes. No, yes. no cover-ups, no anything. Mm-hmm. Else. They're like, okay, not a suicide. That's right. Yep. Good. So what we're saying here is it can happen. It does happen. It there does is happen. good police work out yes, there. Yes, exactly. And I'm here to tell you that if that not if there is a, a rat working in the office, there are police stations that will get the rat out and do the right thing. So right? this this rat trap, this uh, DNA mm-hmm. test, so to <laughs> oh, speak. Yes. Um, when her results came back 13 hours later, was there a DNA on the baby as well? You know, that is an excellent question. Um, we will get, I have. We'll get there? Yes, we are. I am a, a gun jumper. You really are. And we're real close to being there. Okay. But let me get through a couple of the other, because I'm getting to the point where I want to tell you about how the crime scene was staged. Yeah, I want to know. So they recognized pretty quickly that it was staged. And what they figure out is that Jenny had been killed about 100 feet from her car near the area where the blood spot had been found. Her body and car were then transported to the drainage ditch where Ken happened to come upon the suspicious vehicle. Okay. So on September 1st, 2011, the lab processed Jennifer's car. Some blood and a partial bloody fingerprint were found inside her car. Jennifer's clothing was also processed. The bloody fingertip um, portion of a latex glove was found. There was blood inside and outside of the glove, along with some saliva. Like they had, someone had was biting. The tip of yep, correct. Or to even, save themselves, or drooling could be to save themselves. Could have been to like to get the glove off from themselves. Even. Oh, I was thinking the victim saliva. We're talking. They're, at this point, they're just processing the. We saliva. just know there's saliva. That's right. The police requested the evidence to be extub. <laughs> expedited make your own words it's okay i'm here with you i don't even I know, know what, what word i was trying to say but yeah, okay. you know they ha- they put a rush on it they everyone. put a rush on it <laughs> <laughs> to be analyzed and about a week later on september 6th the results come back the blood spot on the pavement was jennifer's shocking the cigarette had ken's dna on it okay ken's blood was found in Jennifer's car, and in the latex glove. Yeah. Okay. Ken had also been the author of the suicide note. Handwriting expert. Uh Uh-huh. 
and there were 14 fingerprints on the page. He had an injury on his right index finger, which helped the police determine that he had written the note before he killed Jennifer. Premeditated. Yes. It was also confirmed that Ken was, in fact, the father of the baby. Okay. I know that... You made me wait for it. I'm not Maury. No. But we just just went there. We went a little more. Congratulations, sir. You You are the father. father? Yes. I mean, how awful. To tell your coworkers that you have never had relations with this person and that you are not the father of that baby, knowing the process, you know they're going to find out. Yeah. What are you doing, sir? I I don't, like, you know... You You've know, done investigations, You know what's right? interesting here, and I'm just going to throw it out. While this is a criminal investigation, even assuming that the DNA uh, didn't come back to him or say that he wasn't the murderer, which I'm sure we're going to get to here, um, just lying as a police officer during a police investigation will lose you your job or get you misconduct in office criminal charges. Sure. So, so bare minimum, that's what he was setting himself up he's for. He's lying yeah. during an investigation, and, yeah. and police can't do that. No. When they're the, the <clears throat> subject of the investigation, yes. let me clarify. Yep. So Ken was arrested on September 12th, 2011, Um, investigators believe that Jenny met him in a a secluded area and while there, Ken attacked Jenny, placing her in a chokehold that strangled her. During the struggle, Jenny scratched, Ken blew, and bit a sizable chunk out of the tip of one of his fingers. It was her. I I just, I needed to get, you know, there. Good, because what it says to me is this young lady tried. She did. She was trying to save herself and her baby. baby. Mm Mm-hmm. He placed her body in the back seat of her own vehicle and drove her to a secondary location, which was a short distance to Outer Road. Once he had moved her there, he staged the scene to look like a suicide. During the staging, blood from his finger had transferred via multiple bloody fingerprints in the back of her vehicle and on the extension cord even. Okay. He was not careful. He really wasn't. So investigators did ask him for his uniform that he'd been wearing that night. And he provided them with it, but it was freshly, freshly laundered. And after, after searching his personal vehicle, they found another uniform under the back seat, which contained DNA from both him and Jenny. Okay. Apparently hadn't had time to get Wash rid of it. it. Yeah. So yeah, he hid it and yep. gave a new, new clean uniform. After canvassing the area, detective, 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 <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I promise I'm drinking water. We both are. I don't know what my problem is (laughs) today. Ooh, everyone, bear with me here. So after canvassing the area, detectives found the first location where they believed the murder had taken place and evidence gathered from the ground, which included that cigarette butt, um, the DNA, the blood splatter, all of that, and a charm from a necklace. Um, that was Jenny's and had Jan- Jenny's DNA on it and some of her blood okay. on it. That breaks my heart. So detectives think this was that that is how they pinned down the spot outside of the vehicle where he had strangled her yeah. and her nose had blood onto her charm. The charm broke off during the strangulation. Strangulation, like you said, struggle. He, he wasn't being careful at no. all. Um. Let's see. Now, according to Jennifer's mother, Dawn, she believes that if Jenny were to write a suicide note, 
It would have been handwritten in a pink or purple gel pen with glitter. Because that is the type of person that she was. This particular note was typed. um, I'm sorry, black type print. Single spaced and set in a number 10 font. I think you should be skeptical anytime someone types Types. a suicide note. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are usually more heartfelt. They're not quick. Yep. They, there's time spent. There's, There's a reason why they're writing they're it. They're saying goodbye for last, Christ's Exactly, sakes. exactly. Yeah. The language used in the note was very uncharacteristic of Jenny. And on further- Like a police report? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that- I'm sorry. <laughs> Perhaps. On further processing, detectives found 14 clear separate fingerprints on the back side of the note, which were identified as Ken's. Um, these fingerprints, though- were completely intact because remember she bit off a good portion of his finger so that is what they were able to use she changed his fingerprints forever megan good and so that is what they were able to use of proof that you created this prior to this guy can't this guy can't stage his a a murder and he's a police officer why would there even be fingerprints on the letter right is he this dumb yes yes this that he desperate? didn't think that other law enforcement would check the prints, even in a suicide. We when <clears throat> we find suicide notes, they are still printed. Right. He should know the process. That's what I was saying the whole time that I was writing these notes. I'm like, how does this guy? Is he new? I he can't be new. Like I just and, and he you know, he's not. I he's, feel he's like he's been a police officer for years, but it's insane. He must have, while it was premeditated, decided relatively recently that time was almost up. He's well, got to yeah, get rid of her. Eight and a half months, okay. and now they're about to meet to have that conversation about child support. Yes. He had probably kept this a secret from his wife all along. Yes. So while he took the time to premeditate, to type the note, and to get whatever supplies he needed to murder her, yep. he didn't plan it out in enough advance to be able to make it work cleanly right. smoothly because no. this is one of the sloppier setups i've seen yeah he's just operating i think out of entire fear and panic for you know his future and essentially like guess what you can just have a really tough conversation with your wife to say hey i really messed up and i've been seeing this other girl and now she's pregnant with my child and we're just going to have to figure this out and we're There's not together always and another option it's well honesty right Right. Which yes. is, can be difficult. So murder obviously is easier. Clearly. No, no. it's not Mr. No, Blue. No, no it wasn't not. for you. I, my heart is breaking that this young lady thinks that she's going to have a conversation about her future, mm-hmm. the baby's future mm-hmm. with zero evidence, no reason to believe that she's going to die or that she's in danger. Well, Megan, she's meeting someone who's an officer of the law. Yeah. I mean, how much safer should she well, have been? Can I ask? And I'm, I'm sure that there wasn't. I know the answer to my question. Had there been any signs that he was abusive, assaultive, or that he didn't want this baby? Were there conversations where he said, get rid of it? Not that I found. Not that I found. I don't know. You know, we, we didn't get a chance to interview her family personally, but not that I found. No one may have known, Charnel. Mm. If there was, it's probably something she only knew herself. And whatever she may have known or had you know, qualms about, she didn't share them with anybody, oh. including her best friend. Right. And she didn't say that she felt unsafe or nervous even about meeting. I think it's very clear she didn't feel unsafe because she was willing to just meet him during his patrol on a secluded road. 
Yeah. You know, just like, Amy, and I'm sure lunch. he's probably like, yeah, hey, I'm, this is where I, one of my patrol stops. Let's you be know? honest. They've probably met there before while he's been on patrol. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, absolutely possible. For romantic yep. reasons. Yes. So I, that very well, I, it just speaks to me that I don't think that she felt scared for her life since she was willing to do this. And she wouldn't have put her baby in danger. Not until she was attacked. No, exactly. So he was arrested and arraigned on September 13th, 2011. I'll tell you a little bit about him. He was the son of a Detroit police officer who, who served the city for 28 years before his death in 2008. He followed in his father's footsteps and began working for the Saginaw County Sheriff's Department in 1997. Okay, I know this area very well. Yep. He accepted a position with the Buena Vista Police Department in 1999. From 2006 to 2008, he served as a police chief for Titabawasi. I know it. I know I, you all do. the time. I'm struggling today. Titabawasi Township. Yeah, for all of you people who say we can't pronounce your names of yeah. cities, try pronouncing some of ours yeah, in Michigan. Exactly. I know. Um, so then he returned after serving as police chief in Titabawasi. He returned to the Buena Vista Police Department, where he worked until the time of his arrest. He was married to Lisa, and he had a young son. Lisa filed for divorce immediately after Ken was arrested for Jenny's murder. I'm sorry, Lisa. Me too. She's, She's a, victim a victim in this too. <clears throat> we've we've done these, and we've had, <coughs> excuse me, conversations with um, the family of the accused. Yeah. And very often we're quick to judge and don't realize the trauma and the, just the complete lack of knowledge they had about this predator. Right. Exactly. She, she, she had no clue. Yep. Um, listen to our episode titled The Sex Trafficker's Wife. Oh, yeah. Perfect to get, example. Yep, to get just a, a hint of what it's like to be a, a family member of a perpetrator and not have all the information right up front and not know what's going on. So... That had to have been a terribly painful time but good for, for Lisa. But good for Lisa. I mean, yep. she didn't hesitate, which oh. also makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a time frame where Lisa was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by my man. Right. She went and filed. She did. Yep. She had a young, they have a young son, went and filed. Yes. Okay. Whether that's following her instinct or maybe she had already been having some issues with them and knew like, okay, this is the straw. We don't know, but perhaps, but I think when your um, loved one, your husband is accused of a murder and there's actually a body to mm-hmm. show it, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more conclusive proof that there was wrongdoing there than some of the other victims that we've seen. Yep. I agree. So on October 11th, 2012, so we are now more than a year, year later. After only one hour of, of deliberation, oh, uh, he Ken was convicted of first degree premeditated murder, assault of a pregnant person with the intent to cause miscarriage or stillbirth, and possession of a firearm during a felony. He was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Now he was originally sentenced to sixty five to hundred additional years for the assault charge. However, the judge reduced the assault charge to eighteen to forty years. Now, Ken had. A, uh, can I just ahead. interrupt? Yes, please do. That's because of sentencing guidelines, just so everybody knows. Yes. Otherwise, it would give some appellate rights there on that. And I think the judge was trying to make sure that he wasn't setting himself up or herself for an appeal. Mm-hmm. So he did appeal his charges. Of course he did. As I'm sure that does not surprise they you usually at do. all. Not at all. Yep, and so that is exactly when, just like you said, that's when they reduced the sentence. 
Um, He had hoped to have his murder conviction overturned, stating that his trial attorney did not provide him with effective counsel. Ineffective ineffective assistance of counsel is a grounds for um, remand in the state. The court went ahead and denied this, though, citing the overwhelming amount of evidence that proved his guilt, Megan. Right. This is a nice way of saying it doesn't matter how incompetent your attorney was or how competent Mm -hmm. you were going to get found guilty. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So I thought that it was only fitting, Megan, for this episode that for the brain bath, we would just go ahead and I was I'm going to use a source list listverse.com who came up with this beautiful list of 10 criminals caught thanks to their own stupidity. This has got to be my life. Does it not? I mean, we did just cover yeah. this, a case. You know I love me this. some dumb criminals. Yes. This, these make me happy. And this is why you do what you do? Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no, but you got to find something just crawled out of my body. Um, No, but you have to find humor in your work sometimes to be able to survive it. And this is one of the things that causes me to giggle often. Well, how about number 10 is Anthony Garcia. Okay. Oh, Tony. So this guy, he's feeling pretty good. He even celebrated after getting away with his um, crime. All right. He felt so confident in it that he got it tattooed on his chest. And the crime that I'm speaking of was actually a, a murder. He had the, a homicide tattooed on his chest. Like what, the name of his victim and a date? Nope, the crime scene. Oh, He had the God. crime scene tattooed on his chest. X marks the spot. He's the map. He's the map. He's the map. <laughs> and so what happens, he is a Los Angeles gang member, all right? He committed a murder during a liquor store robbery, and he got away with it for four years until he was picked up for driving on a suspended license in the police. Which is a fine, usually. Sure is. Not even going to be. No. Right, right. The police notice his unique tattoos when taking his mug shot. Because he's taking his mug shot. He has no shirt on when he's arrested. Of course not. How else is he going to show his tattoos? We show proud. You got to let them know who you are. Yeah. You got to know which gang I'm affiliated with. It's a rule. So they're looking at these tattoos and they're like, that scene looks familiar. Oh my God. So it did not take them long to connect the dots and um, figure out that his tattoo was a exact, exact depiction in extensive detail of this murder crime scene at the liquor store. That is beautiful. Thank you, sir, for solving this murder that you committed. And I want to know what he told the tattoo artist. Of course, if the tattoo artist is probably a part of the gang or works for the gang and is probably like, whatever. Listen, or he's a tattoo or she is a tattoo artist and they're like, we don't ask questions here. When somebody comes in and hands us a sketch, we just do it. Yep, yep. As long as the spelling's all right. And even then, sometimes people insist on having the wrong spelling (laughs) because they argue with the tattoo artist. Right. And those people, those people deserve to have those no regrets tattoos. Those those are the no regrets. No regrets. Mm All right, so this one's not nearly as intense as a murder, but it still is is a, a crime. Uh, Marquis Moore, fifty seven year old man from San Fran, San Fran, had decided that this path for him was to steal bikes. All right, and so when police arrested him, they found ten bikes and a number of bike bike wheel seats and frames. So how'd they track him down? 
Well, it's pretty easy because he tried to sell one of the stolen bikes back to the victim. Oh my God. (laughs) From which he had stolen it from. I'm in the market for a new bike. Well, I can help you out. That's right. I've got 10 right here. That's mine. (laughs) The victim found his stolen bike in an online online ad. Brilliant. And arranged to purchase it while alerting the police to what was really going on. So Moore was charged with possession of stolen property, probation violation, and felony possession of a firearm. So this bicycle got him in a lot more trouble. felony. Mm -hmm. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yes, exactly. I also call that the um, the FAFU. That's the FAFU defense. Have you heard of it? No. Let's fuck around and find out. Oh, FAFO. okay. FAFO. Yeah. FAFO yes. defense. Yeah. yeah. Well, he yeah. did. He yeah. did. All right. This article says, it must be quite a shock when you're at work doing business as usual and genuine, generally keeping to yourself to discover that someone in the parking lot is attempting to steal the tires off your car. Oh, that would just make me mad. For sure. I'd hit him with my purse for show. But it would be even more shocking when you confront them and things go from bad to worse when they assault you and stuff you in the trunk of your own vehicle. Oh, that happened to you. I don't know how easily I could be stuffed in a trunk. You'd have to be pretty big. Yeah, yeah. I I do think that I could very easily. You're a pocket size. You're a pocket human and we could totally stuff you in the back of a trunk. I'm going to keep this in mind that I should stay away from open trunks. Be very careful. Mm -hmm. Don't be the person that go helps the person change a flat tire. Right. Right. I will not. Right. In this situation, this is what happened to Louisville, Kentucky resident Brittany Elder. Um, let's see when Trent Bly and Joseph Davis upgraded from a simple theft to full on kidnapping way to go. And she was actually a gas station attendant. Yeah. But way to go from like, if they're like stealing her tires from probably a one year misdemeanor to a life offense. Yes. Oh, this escalated quickly. Very quickly. You know what would be a good idea because I'm caught instead of running. Why don't we kidnap her and put her in right. the trunk? Let's just put her in the trunk of her own car. What are we going to do with her, guys? Well, here's the good Park news. Park and leave her? Brittany had not had a chance yet to um, renew her license plate. Fuck yes. They so got pulled over for an unregistered sure vehicle. They sure did. They got pulled over on a routine, yep, license, expi- license plate expired. Procrastination can save you. Yep. And they hear her from the trunk. Right. Yep. And save her. Yeah. They weren't even smart enough to gag her. No. No, they heard her pounding. I mean, she wasn't tied up. Anything. Yeah. She started shouting and banging from the inside of the trunk. Thank goodness. That's what you heard. These motherfuckers threw me in my trunk. Right. Because they they were trying to steal my tires. (laughs) Like, what the hell? This is also a good reason why police officers have to approach your vehicle with caution. They might, you might have just been speeding or you might have had expired tags, whatever, but they don't know what they're coming up on. You might have a human in your trunk. For sure. Because you were doing something stupid shortly before. Right. Well, and how many, I've covered murders before that have had dead bodies in their trunk and the police didn't know Yes, you know. Absolutely. Oh, let's see. What's this next one? This next one says, you'd be forgiven if you thought that by now most people had figured out that crime and the internet are not good bedfellows. Don't post it. <laughs> I love Stop how they posting just it bedfellows. bedfellows. I haven't heard that term in a long no, time. No, me neither. I had to use it. Misery loves company, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Yep. Fortunately for our entertainment, this is not the case. Usually it's a social networking site site like Facebook that alerts the authorities of something illegal. But in the case of Hannah 
Sabata, she must have thought the cops needed some help. So she decided to make a video boasting about her crime and post it on YouTube for all the world to see. God bless your heart. Now, this wasn't just a dumb 19-year-old girl bragging about vandalism or anything like that. No. This was some dumb 19-year-old girl bragging about robbing a bank and stealing a car. Oh, honey. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto and bank robbery? Bank robbery. Yep. So she was super happy to go online and let everyone know how awesome she was at stealing things. No. Why? She wanted to get caught. I mean, they do. Just underneath it all, the recognition, the power. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me in this orange jumpsuit. She'd watched a lot of oranges, the new black, and knew she could test it out. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. So there she goes. The... She didn't cover her crime up so well, obviously. No, she advertised it. Okay, so number six here is titled James Allen. Now, there's a scene in the movie Snatch in which a pair of criminals attempt an armed robbery and are then unable to escape from the premises when they are unable to figure out how to push or pull the door to open it. (laughs) It's a comical scene and one that no viewer should ever believe could actually happen no it can i've i've trapped myself before even not committing a crime yes it happens even not even just being a human i've done this to myself have you heard the that too like you're sitting there pushing and then they're like you pull megan pull and you're like oh thanks karen my next option was to crawl under it yeah exactly of course i know to (laughs) yes i'm gonna i'm figuring out that pushing i realized it didn't work yep not gonna go under the door right don't need your inner yeah yeah i thought i was going to perhaps become transparent and just pass right through it thank you (laughs) there's nothing better than videos of people running through glass into glass charnel i can't i laugh i'm a terrible human being and i laugh every time i've only done it once in my life you've walked into glass yes but in my defense oh okay in florida Uh um you know the big much of their walls open up to the patio right yes and and they're glass and so I had went outside to shut off all the lights um, around been, the pool. Have you been drinking? No, okay. actually, it was completely sober. Even worse. Yes, yes. It wouldn't have hurt as bad had I been drinking. <laughs> I know. And um, I shut off all the lights. Well, now, you know, I have bad eyesight anyway. Me too. So I shut the lights off. I can't see anything. And in the midst of me going out there and shutting the lights off, my sweet aunt, who I was staying with, <gasps> shut, shut the, the doors. doors. And I didn't hear it. I was probably talking to myself, let's be real. Singing, talking. Yes, any of the above. Yes, and not paying attention. So (laughs) I straight up just, bam, walk right into it. My forehead, of course, being the closest thing to the sun, um, (laughs) hits first, followed by my schnoz. And it was so loud. They were a couple of rooms away in the living room, and I could only see a soft ember glow from the living room. But I instantly hear the hysterical laughter that ensues because they know exactly what has just happened. Yes, it's a it's a thwack. It's a, it's oh, a recognizable it, noise. It sure is. It's like a bird, bird hitting, hitting the, the window. window. Yeah, that's exactly. And I I had more empathy for them. By the way, when that happens, it hurts like hell. It does. Yeah. Yep, and in. Then we had to have a conversation the rest of the week about whoever's shutting off the pool lights. We le- let them do that and walk back in, and they will also be responsible for shutting the patio doors. That is a great rule. Yeah, we had to come up with that. Okay, so the scene from so Snatch, ja- yeah, which so I James, recall. James Allen, he's a 28-year-old man. He was trying to rob a convenience store, only to be foiled by pushing on the door instead of pulling it. And not only that, but he was using a toy gun and actually removed his mask in full view of the security camera. (laughs) 
And then... Because he didn't think he could see well enough to get out, so he took his mask off. Took his mask off. like turning the radio down when you're in heavy traffic. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then to make matters worse, it's discovered that he's a regular at the store. Oh, honey. And he had actually robbed it just 10 days earlier. Well, it worked the first time. Right. So he's going to try a second time. It is the height of laziness not to plan a new robbery. (laughs) You went back and repeated the same one. Like they wouldn't have taken any additional precautions. And maybe they didn't. The same one. You would think he'd know how to get out of the door since he'd been there multiple times, was a regular, and robbed it before. I I think the adrenaline just was too much for him with the mask, or he couldn't breathe as well with that mask on. I don't know, but he suddenly, or he robs convenience stores so much that he's like, is this a push or a pull? Which one is this? The push or pull? Karma works faster than we think in certain situations. Karma's a beautiful thing. It It really can be. It really is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So so there we go. The rest of them aren't nearly as funny as the others. Or or I identifiable yeah again i wasn't committing crime when i did that but i have also walked into a window and it hurts and unlike you my it's my nose is the closest thing that hits so it's like is it broken am i bleeding why is that my right. face is imprinted on the window mm-hmm. i'm like that's some great makeup you did meg because it is perfectly on the well look my face has transferred oh look there's even eyelashes yeah <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I definitely left a little bit of a grease. I had I had sunscreen on that day, sure. you know. There was a bit of a grease smear there from that. I was and then I kind of felt like maybe my aunt needed to clean that up because it was her damn fault, but I cleaned it up. Of course you did. <laughs> Because you know, you you are an, a helpful person. Yes, I did. I did. It wasn't, it really, she didn't intend that on purpose. She laughed her ass off, but she oh, didn't yeah, intend it on I purpose. Oh, yeah, I would have been inside so. dying. I would have asked if you were okay. Yeah, they did eventually get to that. Right, after <laughs> after I got off the floor and yeah, yeah. changed my pants because I peed them and laughing. And I definitely did yell, mother, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. This is how kids learn these words. It is. Because of stuff like that. It is. Well, um... Thank you for bringing us Jenny's case. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, Jenny. And, and, and her I don't, beautiful baby Braxton. And yeah, I, two, I, two lives lost. And it makes me just a little bit queasy because, you know, I know the area. I drive through that area often. Yeah. And it's, it's close to home. But I'm super proud of their police department for doing their job. I am too. Mm-hmm. Kudos so, to y'all. Yes. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And we hope that you keep it curious. And until next time. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.